section 312 and it is episode 21 of the podcast this episode of the podcast is brought to you by swazo painting swazo painting has been painting the chicagoland area for the past 20 to 25 years they do interior exterior home remodeling tile work removing wallpaper power washing give them a call 630-272-2096 or email them at swazo painting at icloud.com for free estimates Today's podcast is also brought to you in part by Brixton Ivy Sports. I'm going to go straight ad-lib off this. Brixton Ivy Sports is an awesome sports store. They have signed autographed memorabilia. They have licensed sports gifts. It's an awesome place to be. They have signed and meet and greets. They have Miguel Montero coming up on July 20th, which is just around the corner. They have Carrie Wood, man. They got Carrie Wood coming on September 7th. Go get a ticket. Go meet Carrie Wood. You can even go have a catch with Carrie Wood for the right ticket package. So go check them out. Bricks and Ivy Sports. You can go follow them at BricksandIvySports.com where you can find some of their autographed memorabilia and licensed sports gifts. Uh, they also carry sports cards too, which I know a lot of collectors. And one of the cool things about Bricks and Ivy Sports is they buy, sell, and trade with the customers. Yes. So if you got a signed baseball by you, Darvish, and you're a Cubs fan and he's never won at Wrigley and you want to go trade that in for something fresh, they'll do it. Go check them out. Bricks and Ivy Sports. On today's episode of the podcast, you know, we got a lot going on. Lico, the artist known as Lico, sits in section 312 this week. And we got educated on the art world because I know nothing about the art world. The Clippers went from G to PG-13 thanks to The Claw. And USA are champs yet again. We are at the Midsummer Classic Way in the MLB, and it's going on right now as we're recording on Tuesday. We recap some of the Home Run Derby, and we round out the episode with some segments. So find your seat in Section 312 and get prepared, because we're about to hit the long ball. The Midsummer Classic is actually going on right now. Are you guys watching it at all as we're recording this? Uh, I was just at the gym, yes. so I was watching a little bit of it. I, I want to just jump out and say this right away. Freddie Freeman mic'd up while he's at bat is the best thing I've ever heard. He had the mic on while he was uh, at bat, and he was talking to Joe Buck and the Fox Sports crew, and he's yelling out to Verlander. He's like, throw me a fastball. <laughs> he's like, throw me a fastball. And Gary Sanchez is catching, and he's like, you're going to tell me what he's going to throw, right? And Gary Sanchez doesn't really understand what he's saying because I don't think he speaks a lot of uh, English. But... Freddie Freeman the entire time he's like he's like come on Verlander throw a strike and then he got caught looking on the drop third strike and he, Joe Buck is just like laughing at him he's like but Freddie Freeman you're still my favorite player I, I really like the mic'd up at bats during the All Star game it's awesome I think the All Star break period is honestly the MLB's best time at which they're the most personable and like all eyes are on them because there's not really much going on in the sports world outside of it. So it's, it is a really good opportunity for them to brand people. And I mean, the last two days have been a really good, uh, I'd say just throw it out there that they've done a good job with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree, especially the home run derby. I feel like the fans are getting more into it now, you know, with the, this whole new type of style they're doing and the juice balls I think are really playing effect. Uh, we saw something last I, night that hadn't been done since Josh Hamilton was on the roids. Yeah. So, I mean, it, the, the home run derby last night was, uh, was awesome. It was crazy since they've added in the pitch clock. It's definitely made things a lot better. I mean, it's, it's more entertaining. It's more exciting. We had, uh, Vladdy jr. 
putting up just bombs left and right, just hitting balls almost out of, is it progressive still? I don't even remember what Cleveland is. Yes, it yeah. is progressive. Yeah, out of progressive field. I mean, and they were lighting it up. It was him, Cody Bellinger. And, uh, oh, by the way, I think we should uh, take a step back to episode, the last episode. Uh, who picked Pete Alonso to win? I think I did. Uh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Admit where you're wrong there, Chief. <laughs> no, you you chose Pete Alonso, so I will give you props to that. I thought it was going to be Josh Bell, and Josh Bell got knocked out in the first round. So Pete Alonso, though, to his credit, did hit like 30, I think it was 30 or 31 home runs less than Vladdy Jr. did. So I'm sure Vlad Jr. was gassed, but he, every round they were just going, he was like, I want to hit 30. Just every round he was trying to go up and hit as many as he could. So, I mean, and he, he put on the show. Um, you know what was crazy, I think? The semifinals, all four dudes were like early twenties players, like young guys. Really? Yeah, it was Bell because it was Bellinger, Acuna Jr., Vladdy Jr., and um, oh god, and, and Alonzo. So all like young dudes that are just coming up and can mash. You know, I like these younger guys getting in this home run derby, but I'm still all for the fat pitchers doing their old home run derby. I mean, well, why can't they have that on the side, though? Like, they have the celebrity softball game where J.R. Smith was running around shirtless today or yesterday. Yeah, I, I saw that. I, I only saw bits and highlights of the uh, celebrity all-star game. But, you know, I like the celebrity basketball all-star game better than the celebrity uh, softball game. Oh, that's, that's a hard disagree. I, I definitely like the celebrity softball game better. I don't know. The NBA... Uh, the NBA All-Star break just doesn't cut it for me. There's too much, and I think it's part of it is there's just too much going on outside of it. So it's not, and, and the, the game itself is not nearly as entertaining as the MLBs. Well, you know, this coming up NBA season, the All-Star game is in Chicago. I mean, yeah, they, I feel like they've been trying to get it there for a while, but uh, it was something with like, it actually costs the city more, the Bulls more to put it on than like the revenue they bring in. I don't know. I think just like, I think baseball is at a luxury for their all-star game, even if it doesn't mean as much anymore, just because, you know, a, a pitcher throwing curveballs in an all-star game isn't putting them at injury risk, right? Like, in the NBA, no one's going to go out there and play balls out on defense. In the NFL, the season's over, and, like, you're you're not going to tear an ACL for the Pro Bowl. So I think in baseball, because of the lack of uh, any kind of physical play, they can actually go out there and, like, you know, yeah, it's relaxed. You're not, you know, out there busting your ass 110%, but I think you get a much more uh, competitive product. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's stay with the MLB All-Star game here. Cubs and Sox-wise uh, of it, your boy Giolito is actually throwing right now in the All-Star game. Oh, well, I mean, I, it, it's going to be three up, three down. Three up, three down, three Ks. Uh, well, you know. Yeah, it's too late. The runner on first. Yeah, runner on first. <laughs> But no. it was Freddie Freeman, so it's Joe Buck's favorite <laughs> player. So, okay, well there we go. Joe Buck's pushing for it. He's also pushing for uh, Javi Baez to maybe uh, hit a little grade or something. Maybe maybe just tweak a hammy, just so he's out for two days. But and there strange. we go. There's one strikeout for Lucas Giolito. I want to throw this out there. Javi Baez, the first player in MLB history to start the All Star game in consecutive years. At a different position. Last year he started at second base, and this year he started at shortstop. I mean, the dude's the dude's a freak. 
Like, I think any baseball fan that can appreciate a good player will admit that Javi Baez is just an absolute freak of nature, and he's a stud. At I mean, you can put him anywhere in the middle infield. He's got crazy range. He's a good player. He's gonna he's gonna go out and produce, and he can swing the bat. I mean, he's he's wild, and he deserves it. I, you know, I j- the only thing about this All Star game that I really didn't understand was the opening. Like commercial, Matt. Did you see that where they're all in the radio booth, like playing their songs? I don't really understand that. So Maybe, see, at the did, at the time, I was playing my PS4 and I was trying to get my computer booted so I can watch the All Star game, but it took a little too long, so I missed the whole beginning. Fox milks it though. Like the one thing I was pissed with is like Fox goes to commercial in the first in the first like ten minutes before they open up the game. They went to commercial like three different times. Like there was like two minutes of actual like broadcast and eight minutes of commercials, which I don't get. But I'm kind of I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of butthurt that Giolito didn't get the start. Like I thought he should have been out there. He I think he deserved it. But I do get Verlander uh, being the veteran, you know, get getting the nod. I'm I, I I'm just uneasy about it because of my guy. Like Giolito's my guy, but you know. Yeah, Giolito just pitched a good inning. He just got out of it. So unfortunately. Noah, are you really cheering for the I'm NL? A, like you, I'm a National NL? League guy, man. That's oh. the dumbest thing ever. That's the dumbest <laughs> thing. Ever. It's, I didn't even say that. It's it's different now though because you know I don't really root for anybody in this All Star game anymore. Now that it doesn't you know jeopardize the World Series, I personally I was, like I I felt like the guys tried harder when it was the World Series home advantage was on the line. I personally liked it. I know a lot of people don't because of the record thing and how it could, you know, fuck some people over, but I personally liked it. Well, I mean, I think the the whole point, right, that you got to you got to understand is if you're a team with 120 wins like the Red Sox last year and you definitely deserve being the best team in baseball to be at home in the World Series, it shouldn't be on a fluke play because some, I don't know, random Marlins center fielder decided to hit a walk-off home run off of, you know, the guy that was just getting some innings in, you know, I, I don't know. I just think there was too much very like there was too much variability with a the way that the All-Star game is just played now and with, you know, uh, it, it just would be unfair, I feel like, to the better team. I, I get where you're coming from, though, because it adds more to the game. And then you can cheer for your league because there's something on the line. I feel like at this point, you know, aside from betting on it, you really don't pick a side just because, like, I, at least for me, I'm out there just to watch, you know, the studs of the game uh, do what they do best and be on a team together. Yeah, so. I'm just watching all the players, but the American League always freaking wins. I'm tired of it. Even if it doesn't count, I just okay. don't want to see them I win anymore. That. The American League does win a lot. Yeah, no, no, no. Like I, I, I love it. Makes, it makes no sense. I, I, I'll level with you there. The the American League has won like something like twelve of the last like nineteen, um, and like three of the last four. Did you did you hear Verlander's comments? Did you hear him just come out and straight up say the ball's juiced? No. Yeah, he he said like during media yesterday. He said he kind of just came out and straight up said the the ball is juiced, and he's con- he's convinced that the MLB has to make more home runs, uh, juice the ball. Side note to that slash disclaimer: Justin Verlander has also given up the most home runs in baseball. So I was about to say he maybe he should pitch better. Well, Max Scherzer came out as uh, well and said, "I don't care that the ball is juice." He's like, "It's whatever." I'm a, I'm a well actually. Uh, you hear Matt? Uh, Justin Verlander is probably the first half Cy Young, if not uh, definitely in the top three. Really, you would give Verlander 
Well, let's get into it. Before we jump into the NBA a little bit, let's give out some midseason awards for the MLB. Do you think Justin Verlander gets the AL Cy Young if it ended right now? No, no, no. I think it's. I think you have a race between Verlander, Charlie Morton, and Lucas Giolito, and Mike Miner. I think. I think between those four, you have a race right now. I think Giolito gets it, uh, just because. You know, I, I think he went on a real crazy run, and I think the caliber of the White Sox team is much less than that of the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Astros and Rays. But um, I think Ver, like Verlander leads and hits per nine innings. He's right at the top of the list and wins. He has um, top, fourth best earned run average in baseball. He leads in, uh, oh no, I'm, he doesn't lead, I'm sorry, fourth in war. I mean, he's right up there at the top of the league in almost every category, aside from giving up a bunch of bombs. The NL, though, I, I don't know who I would give it to in the NL. Uh, it, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Max Scherzer. It's it, Hinjin Ryu from LA or Max Scherzer's right now to win. Uh, Max Scherzer is leading the league in strikeouts. He's leading the league in innings pitched, or, or at least the the NL, I should say. He's he has the best WAR by a by a long shot for pitchers. Uh, Ryu just has him in ERA. I mean, he's third in ERA right now, and by .01 behind second place. Okay, so, so now, let's let's jump into the MVP award here. Who are you giving it to in the AL? Um, uh, I mean, it's Mike Trout. <laughs> There's, there's no, um, th- th- it's, it's no contest. It's Mike Trout. NL. NL. Um, hmm. you know, I think we're gonna see a Yelich Bellinger kind of a uh, fight for it. Uh, I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with Cody Bellinger though. I just think that Cody Bellinger's been uh, a little bit more productive. You know, I'm still gonna stay with it. I think Josh Bell can make a dominant case for it. I mean, I feel like the problem you have with Bell is like the average isn't there, the the, the on base isn't there. He's he he hits bombs like that's that's a that's a fact. He's a spark plug of a and he's leading in RBIs. If if he ends the year with forty home runs and one hundred and sixty RBIs, I don't think there's any reason you don't give it to him. Okay, well, and not, the Pirates make the playoffs if the Pirates sneak into the playoffs as well. I mean, I, I guess it comes down to right what you're looking at is. Yeah, if he hits 40 bombs, but the, the I mean, it's not one-to-one. He has 84 right now, so he'll probably end with, like, 130, which, don't get me wrong, is absolutely insane. But, I mean, Bellinger is not close, but he's, he's you know, 10 behind him right now. And, uh, I mean, I could see Bell, though. I, yeah, I mean, it's going to depend on him, him actually getting on base, though. He's got to start hitting more consistently. I think that's the biggest thing. Honorable mentions for that. Um, comeback player of the year. In the AL, at least, should be Lance Lynn. Um, he's been pitching his ass off. You um, know, I know. I thought I was about to say the same exact thing, and I would love to get him on the podcast because I know his uh, girlfriend or wife. I don't know what they are now, but so that would be awesome if he came on to the podcast. Lance Lynn, shout out All Star Break. You're doing a great job. Come on the podcast. He's in- He's in for a good interview too. He's hilarious every time. Uh, he, he every time he gets off the mound. That's what oh, yeah. So we gotta make that happen. He's a big dude, and I enjoy a big pitcher. Someone that's got some fucking pop in those hips. Um, NL Rookie of the Year has got to be. Well, I guess it's 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 gonna be Pete Alonso or Fernando Tatis. I think it's gotta be Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso. 
Dude, I don't know, man. Uh, Fernando Tatis out in San Diego. Kid's an animal, bro. I also, I also think that... Um, have you watched him play? Like You, you can be real this year. Yeah, I, I've, I've watched a couple. I've watched him play he's a couple. Kind of, he he kind of looks like young A-Rod. Except like he's hitting... He has better numbers than him right now. And then in the AL, I mean... Uh, it's got to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. The Midsummer Classic, it's going on right now. It'll probably end in the next hour and a half or so. But there's been a lot of news in the NBA since free agent, the frenzy has, you know, stopped. The Claw and Paul George are LA Clippers. Yeah, we got some weekend ultra late night news that broke. At like uh, 3 in the morning. Yeah, 2 a.m. Eastern, Kawhi pulled off a heist, swooped Paul George from Oklahoma City. And, man, it must feel bad to be a Thunder, th- a Thunder fan right now, man. I, You know, I have a couple friends that are Thunder, fr- Thunder fans, and this is to them. Sell Russell Westbrook now. Get what you can for him. And be patient. It'll It'll come back. Let the rebuild happen, because as Bulls fans, it's finally looking up, but I keep hearing the Bulls are strongly considering trading for Westbrook, and I don't want that to happen. I don't. I don't want Russell here. Quentin's got into a fucking argument with Rick Canfield about this last night, and then he fought, now you're going to turn around on that take, huh? No, I said I didn't want Russell here. I, I, I told Rick in the interview, which will probably air next week, um that I believe the Bulls, with the roster they have right now, and if everybody stays healthy, the Bulls can easily make 40 wins. I believe the Bulls can be a 500 team, and the Bulls can make the 7th or the 8th seed in the East and make the playoffs. And and Rick completely disagreed. Yeah, I think you're delusional too. And I'm going to explain to you why. Okay, because I didn't get a chance to say it during the interview. I'm going to explain to you why that's a completely delusional take. If you look at the at the East in the NBA with all of the shifting that's gone on Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, potentially Miami. And we're not even going to include them. We're looking at Milwaukee. So that's four right there. And the rest the, is wide open. No, because the Hawks are going to be better than the bulls. Oh, so that's, that's a potential team right there. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're t- dude, you're delusional. If you think the Hawks won't be better than the bulls. What do so we- if you, what are we putting on? What are we putting on the line right now between me and you right now? Do you want to do it that the Bulls are a 500 team or that the Hawks are better than the Bulls? Oh, I would bet you thirty dollars that the Hawks are better than the Bulls. Okay, so thirty bucks will be on the line that the Hawks will not be better than the Bulls. Now, what do you want to put on that the Bulls? I'll even up it. The Bulls will make the playoffs as a seventh or an eighth seed this year. Correct. Oh, dude, I'll bet I'll bet you a hundred dollars. Hundred bucks? Yeah. All right. Yeah. You sit here first. Thirty dollars that the Bulls are going to be better than the Hawks, and hundred dollars that the Bulls are going to make the playoffs as a seventh or an eighth seed. Because what you don't realize is everybody last year was hurt for like thirty games, and most of them weren't legitimately hurt. They were recommended that they get surgery so they can try and keep tanking without violating tanking rules. Everybody healthy 
with Kobe White, Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Larry Markkinen, and Wendell Carter, your starting five can easily be a 500 ball club. Easily. This is going to be this is going to be the easiest 130 bucks I've ever made in my life. I I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, I, I the hope claim that the uh, the claim that the Hawks are better than the Bulls is that going to be measured by record? Of course. Yes. Okay. No, we're just going to fucking draw straws and guess. <laughs> I mean, sometimes there could be a better team, but then they just had a couple bad games and like have a worse record than somebody. So I'm not going to put thirty dollars on a subjective opinion. No record at the end of the year. It doesn't matter. It I agree with matter. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I would just make it clear. Orlando's better. Orlando's going to be better. Now, so. I want to say that because you brought up a good point here. I keep hearing as well that Orlando may be the front runner to land Russell Westbrook, but they would be trading away Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba, and there was another key piece in that that I can't remember who it was. I just saw it earlier. But Indiana's going to the playoffs. They were a four seed last year. Yeah, and Indiana got better. So that's so that's that's six teams right there that are way better than the Bulls. This is going to be the easiest fucking hundred dollars ever made. Nah, the Bulls are going to be there in the seventh or eighth seed. Okay. Just watch. Okay. Hey, I didn't what about your Memphis? Confidence. Memphis could be good too. I mean, I think they're trying that's to ditch everyone. West, you dumbass. I know. <laughs> I just want to change the subject to the Memphis Grizzlies. It, in a, 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 in all fairness, though, um, Memphis being in the West is the most fucking weird thing in the world. But oh, I agree. I, the NBA makes no sense. Um, okay, well, hundred thirty dollars on the line, and I guess we'll just see how it goes. I'm, I'm very excited to, to have some cash on this because this will be interesting. And you know what? I, I think this is a win-win for me because if the Bulls prove me wrong, then I'm happy that they developed that well. Oh, yeah, I don't think we're anywhere near title run, but I do think we'll make the playoffs. Um, before we get away from the NBA, we got to talk uh, about these rookies. Kobe White looks good. He looks good in the summer league. I know it's just summer league, but he looks good. Yeah, no, I mean, he hey, he's been playing well. I, I admire what the Bulls have been doing. They've been really running out there, and, you know, uh, it's promising, right, that, that he's not pulling an R.J. Barrett. I mean, that's that's for sure. And Zion, he's already hurt, and he's done for the summer league. He hurt his knee, and should the Pelicans be concerned? Did they say he's out? I didn't hear that. I just saw that he yeah. knocked knees with someone. Yeah, he's out for the rest of the summer league. They're not playing him. No, I don't think so. David Griffin has been like everywhere saying it's precautionary. And I feel like, right, right. If, I feel like he wouldn't be... Uh, going on national TV and lying about that. Maybe behind the curtain he would, but I think he's I, I think he's, yeah, no, I think they're okay. Speaking of rookies, though, on the Pelicans, Jackson Hayes is just looks like a fucking monster, man. I was skeptical when they took the pick. Like, he seemed like he wasn't ready for the NBA yet. Like, uh, I don't know if the body's not there or what, but I mean, he looks good. Like, yeah, I haven't watched a lot of him. I've been watching a lot of that Daniel Gafford that the Bulls drafted, and he looks pretty fucking good. Hey, anytime in the NBA that you can get a second round steal, it's it's just a complete luxury and like playing with house money. And, and the way he looks, I mean, he, he could be seeing minutes, which is really cool. So the NBA is far off. We just made another bet. But USA is gold 
again. We're golden. Yeah, USA take USA women's national team takes the crown, wins the World Cup. I think this is two in a row. It is and like it's two in a row. Three to last four or something like that. I mean, are we, there a dynasty? are we a dynasty? Oh yeah, the women's soccer is a dynasty, and they know it too. And I love the cockiness. I mean, they're a juggernaut, and and they just have people in the pipe. Like like older players leave and new players come in and they become just as like big a faces as as the old ones were and they play just as well. They're they're insane. I mean, I think in every match this year they scored in the first or in this year's World Cup they scored in the first fifteen minutes. Except for the finals. Yeah, that, that was the case. The finals they got held scoreless in the first half for the first time all tournament. The men's team played the Copa game against Mexico in the finals and lost one to nothing. Congratulations, Mexico. But I thought it was cool that both men's and women's teams were in finals. So we're doing, we're doing good. Let's do that. Yeah. yeah, But once you start playing against the big boys out in Europe, uh, those national teams just absolutely shit all over the poor United States, I guess. I don't know. Do you think soccer is going to ever make a come up on the men's side in the United States? I don't think so. I don't think so either. The, dude, these other countries just invest so much cash into those teams, and like we just don't. Yeah, we invest all of our money into American football and basketball and baseball. And basketball is actually starting to get baseball money, so it, it's just going up and up and up. But yeah. USA wins gold again. Let's get into our interview with the artist known as Lico. A Chicago artist known as Lico. We learned a lot. We learned about how you bargain with people to sell your product. We talked a little bit about how he designed the LifeWatch logo. And you asked him a, a pretty uh, odd question, but he found it very funny. And he sounds like Drake, too. So, <laughs> Yeah, we were definitely out of our element for this one. But it was informative, and that's what we're here, to inform the people and inform ourselves in the process and learn about ass and titties. Sorry, Mom. So here's our interview with the Chicago artist known as Lico. Now sitting in Section 312, we have the artist known as Lico, Malik Willis. Malik, how did you get into the artistic side of things? When did you start wanting to become an artist? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I feel like ever since I was really young, I've always been drawing, very infatuated with creating art. Um, but not until I got into college where I linked up with some of my closest friends now who are all creatives, did I really follow the dreams of pursuing art as an actual way of life. Uh, so I met this artist uh, named Ibra, who's a musical artist. He's a rapper from UIC. And uh, one of my friends mentioned that I should, you know, manage for him. And so I never really thought about that idea before. But then my brain got to contemplating different ideas on how I could advance his career. And so a lot of that had to do with some visual presentation, curating of spaces, uh, putting together listening parties. And so with that, I started like messing around with making T-shirts and flyers. And I knew that I was pretty good with pencil and paper, but I had no experience uh, with digital work. And so with that, I just took it upon myself to uh, really create 
uh, the self-taught mechanism for me to be a graphic designer so I can cut out the process of the middleman uh, when it comes to what my vision is and the end product of what I'm trying to create. You mentioned that you really have been a creative person your whole life. Uh, drawing has always been something that's in you. And you got around creative people and they really drove that out of you. How, how did that work? Would you say that they've kind of pushed you to be more creative? I think it's been in there all along. I think what really cultivated everything is finding that community of people with those like-minded ambitions, right? And so when you get around a lot of people who have very similar interests, your brain starts to work in a different way. You're always thinking abstractly, challenging ideas, right? Always creating something. And with that energy always around, you can't help but feed off of it and drive into your own practice. For all of our listeners out there, I just want to jump. He does sound like Drake, right? It just sounds like a Drake. He's <laughs> got a little ring to it. <laughs> Can you say, Kiki, do you love me one time? <laughs> nah, man, I can't even do it, bro. Oh, I'm my own person. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to stay in his own lane. So, uh, World Afi, what what is it? Uh, World of I actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the first time I've pronounced something wrong on this show. I just want to put that out there. No, it's all good. Understood. Uh, World of I is a creative collective that I actually created when I was telling you that story about linking up with Ibra. I was taking these ideas that I was generating on how to advance his. Um, creative world right because all of us went to college and we majored in stuff that wasn't related to the creative field whatsoever ibra is pre-med i was an econ major right we had computer science engineers that made music we had uh we had pre-med people that were visual artists right so i was expanding on these ideas and my roommate at the time was letting me know like hey this sounds like really grand why don't we take this idea and expand it and apply that to benefiting all types of artists who are similar to us and creating, you know, an opportunity for people to build and be in a network so that we can take this hobby and make it into a lifestyle. Right. And so that's kind of how World of I was born. So it's more of a, you know, promotion and kind of an artist nurturing collective uh, that I created back when I was in college where I met Ibra. So do you guys promote local work or do you guys have a kind of a group of artists that join on and you guys all kind of contribute equally? How does that kind of whole thing uh, work itself out? So we do a multitude of different things. So we have a website uh, that we host artist profiles on so they can see a collection of their work, uh, get reference to what they do. Then we host events so that, you know, artists who might be a little bit smaller or more in the underground network can get their their work exposed to a wider range of individuals um, than before. And then we try to do stuff for the community, you know what I'm saying? Like open mics, stuff like that, but really just cultivating different ideas on how to curate a marketing plan of attack for people to understand and pay attention to what you're doing so that you as the artist can just focus on your creation and you can let the team work um, hard and diligently on how to get that out there and promote yourself a little bit more. So where does your inspiration come from, would you say? Uh, as a businessman or as an artist? As, as, a, as an artist. So, so when you're going through the process, because your designs are awesome, and how do you get them innovative, right? When you have a really good design, what is your inspiration behind making that something no one has seen before that will pop to someone that's seeing it for the very first time? So I think 
most all of my inspiration actually comes from Frank Ocean. Even though he's not a visual artist, I think what he does so well with his work is he creates emotion through his work. He's able to connect what he's feeling in this abstract, creative way and connect to other souls a way that I've never seen another artist do in my life and the way that it makes me feel when I can when I receive, you know, Frank Ocean's work. So I'm always trying to emulate that amount of impact that he's able to have on his fan base, because at the end of the day, that's what I think art is all about. So I'm just always trying to think about creating something that'll make somebody else feel. Okay, so you you keep mentioning art. So so then would you how would you define art? I, I think you've kind of been getting at it, but I'm just gonna go straight for it. We'll go with the philosophical question. How would you define an art? Because you mentioned, you know, there's visual art, we have we have music, which obviously we consider as art. What what is art to you? I think anything is art with proper intention. I think it's to explore a grander idea, to question, to make someone feel, right? As long as the person behind the creation is intentionally trying to create a message, create conversation, explore an idea, right? Or just abstractly make people think. I think that's what art is. I don't, I don't think it's defined necessarily within a box. And that's what makes it so beautiful and so difficult to occupy in that space as a creative of, you know, art. So I'm assuming you being an artist and all, you have sold some of your pieces of artwork, correct? Yeah. So what, yeah, absolutely. what was the name of the piece and what was the most expensive piece that you've ever sold? The most expensive piece I ever sold was my very first painting I did, uh, which was a, I think it was like a 24 by 36. I got a piece of wood and I went to the wood shop. I shaved it down. I glossed it over and I painted it with house bear paint from Home Depot. Right. But it was the most innovative design and everything from the mount on the back to the creation of the canvas itself. Everything was all created by me. And that was like really the first time where I was like, wow, I can really connect with somebody. It was just a random art show that somebody invited me to. They were like, hey, you have any work that you want to show? I was like, yeah, I have a couple of pieces. And I pulled up with some prints in that painting and it was bought within like an hour of being at the show. What did you sell it for? I'm just curious. Uh, I sold it for 300 Okay. <laughs> so what's the art buying process like? Sorry, I'm just completely uh, amazed by this world because this is something I have not been a part of. So what what is it like? Does someone just come up to you and say, I'll give you this for that? Or do you, is there like negotiations or what? I'd say with a lot of my pieces, there have been negotiation. It depends on the person who's buying it and how much appreciation I can tell they have for the art. You know, so some of these people, we all know in the creative world, like this is becoming a really saturated industry, right? In 2019, like all young people want to be creatives nowadays. So like this idea of like clout chasing and just wanting to be a part of the culture for conversation sake and social media sake, a lot of people would just like flock to things just to feel relevant. But then those are the people who aren't willing to, you know, spend the money for a nice piece of art and they want to haggle you for some super cheap work because they, they're not putting in the work themselves to understand what it's like to really create, right? And so 
a lot of times in the beginning of creating, I really didn't know how to price my shit because I was just really unaware of how other people were price structuring. I didn't know my worth as an artist, but now I know how much time I take to create, you know, how much materials cost, how innovative my designs are, and, you know, who else is doing anything similar to me in that space. And because of that, what I like to do is I like to go off a frame of work of like other inspiring artists. And I know that I study everyone's price sheets, everyone's, you know, price metrics to see how I would fit into that to understand the man hours and really calculating and then using to some degree my econ degree to be able to figure out, you know, how much is this art worth? Right. And, and you're trying to maximize your profit. I got an idea for exactly. you. Next piece. You got to pull a Banksy and then as soon as they buy it, you got to shred the artwork and then it sells for twice as much money. But yeah, that sounds like a crazy <laughs> idea. I might have to, I might have to pull one of those ideas. Yeah. You just got to pull a Banksy. You're just like take it and throw it out the window and then like it gets like hit by something and someone will be like, oh my God, this is more, this, this is abstract now. <laughs> twice as much money. Hell yeah. So before we get away from the artistic side of things, uh, we had Eli on a couple weeks ago, and he yeah. talked about you a lot. And so we want to get your perspective on it. You actually designed the logo for LifeWatch. What was that process like, and how long did it take? And are you getting a royalty check from that? Because Drew pitched the uh, Drew was talking about it, and came up with like a slogan that they really liked. And now we're waiting on that first big check to come away. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, as you know, uh, Q, me and Eli go way back. That's one of my best friends in the world still to this day. And so we're always chatting about our ideas, our inspiration, what we're trying to do um, with ourselves because we've always had this idea of being our own bosses ever since we were really young. So once we kind of got into the realm of actually occupying that space and he was telling me about this idea for creating this brand, this was when I had established myself as a graphic designer, right? And I really wanted to be able to help my friend in whatever way possible. So I linked up with him. I'm, this was, wow. The Kickstarter just recently launched. When we first linked up to design the logos, this must have been like a whole year, almost and a half ago. So it was like a while ago. And it was, it was, it was pretty difficult. Um, process. I think I made like maybe you know ten versions of the logo until he was like, "No, this is exactly what I want." Um, but we finally landed on you know me delivering what his vision was, and I actually designed the concept for the watch itself as well. Uh, I did um, the industrial design for the watch on top of the logo. So when you're working with, uh, I guess we'll call we'll call uh, Eli in this case a client in quotes, but you know a friend, a client, whoever, someone that wants you to design a product for them, uh, how difficult I guess is maybe the not the best word, but how difficult is it to kind of sacrifice some of your creative integrity with you know round one when you think of something that you know I think this really is going to speak and bring out emotion and kind of shows off what you're feeling, but you're kind of that back and forth uh, trying to get to that uh, end product that we'll see. Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say it depends on the client. Um, it depends on the client and our relationship, right? If it's somebody that I have a personal relationship with and I know that I can communicate with, I will push a lot more on them understanding 
the creative integrity that I'm trying to put together to really make something timeless and put together my design theory knowledge and occupy that to what I'm trying to do and create and get them understanding that design process, right? But other individuals I work with, some of them are really just trying to create exactly what they have in their mind and they're just trying to pay me to execute that. And if the money is there and that's what they want me to do, you know, man's got to eat, man's got to eat. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I'm just going to execute their idea, um, you know, and because a lot of people will have like a lot of pushback. No, I want this. I want that. At the end of the day, they outsourcing me to create their vision. And so if they don't want to, you know, understand what I have to say, then, you know, I'm not going to fight them too much on that. You know, they, they sought me to do the job and do it well and exactly how they anticipated it. So that's what I try to do. And, and when the paycheck is good, at some point, the creative integrity can go a little bit out the window. I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a bit, but never completely. I'm always going to state my opinions. I don't care who you are because I'm always going to bring that to the table, right? Because that's the whole reason I started creating. I'm not going to just because I do this freelance. I have a nine to five. But on top of that, I do all this artwork. So I really don't try to work with any clients that I don't think will understand what I'm trying to say or don't particularly enjoy uh, back and forth. Because at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is help people. And if you take that personally, you know, because you don't you don't agree, then it's going to be a difficult conversation and, and process of workflow. So if I'm going to freelance, I'm, I'm going to do what matters the most. And if you're too difficult of a client, I just won't work with you. Let's get away from the artistic side of things. It's been a long time since I've personally talked to you. Are you still a big basketball lover? Um, I just came from the gym right now hooping. So for everybody out there, you used to hoop a lot, and you used to be really big in the basketball. You still follow the NBA, I'm assuming. So I want to know, in this year's current NBA, your favorite player used to be Darren Williams before he took a shit everywhere. Who's your new favorite player? <laughs> uh, um, I think... My favorite player in the NBA right now is probably Kyrie. <laughs> That's I honestly Kyrie and Darren Williams are like the same player. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, saying I'm just true saying, to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think the Earth is flat too? What's that? Do you think the Earth is flat too? <laughs> nah, I'm a smart man. I just like hey, his skill. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey man, hey. If you get too deep into those people and you listen to them for like more than 30 minutes, you'll start questioning shit. I'm not kidding you. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm one way or the other on this, but but if you, they got some good points. That's all I'm gonna bring up. I hope you would. I hope you would just say right now that there's no flat Earth people who think that the Earth is flat. I don't think the Earth. I'm just gonna say that. He was about that. to leave the interview. He, he was done. He was like, yo, I, I can't I can't deal with these people. <laughs> gonna straight up say the fucking earth is flat. I mean, <laughs> Do you like the fact that there's no super team in the NBA anymore? Do you think it's it's going to be more enjoyable to watch knowing that it's not going to be Warriors, Warriors, Warriors every single year? Without a doubt. I think this NBA offseason has been one of the most exciting things that I've seen happen to the NBA in a really long time. And it gives this refreshing new look at the league to what I fell in love with, right? When I fell in love with basketball, I was watching competitors with a wide range of possibility for who's going to take that championship, right? And people just hungry, fighting for their lives to get to a career of winning a championship. For the last couple of years, it's like, 
damn, really Stefan them? They're going to, like, this is not even exciting. Like, why do I even pay attention that closely? But now it gives a whole new refreshing look on why you want to pay attention, see how these teams work, see how they gel. And at the end of the day, no one knows what's going to happen in these finals next year. So do you remember when we played AAU ball? I brought this up to Justin, and I guess he wasn't there. Do you remember when we played AAU ball and we got dunked on by the kid with one hand? Uh, nah, I don't. I think, I think you're making up this story at this point. I'm making this up. His dad was the fucking coach, okay? We were in Wisconsin, and we were playing in some tournament. You met Bruce Weber. You remember meeting Bruce Weber in Wisconsin? I do, yeah. That same tournament, we played Mean Streets, I think it was, and there was a kid that was like 6'8 with goggles, and he had one hand in the nub, and he dunked on us with the nub. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's got to be doing something right if he got there like that. You know what? Back in that day, I remember at that tournament, we got waxed pretty aggressively, so I wouldn't doubt that that happened. Maybe yeah, I just repressed that memory. Yeah, we lost 96-33. to 33. The coach called a bunch of pussies in the hallway, and he took us out of the tournament. We went home. I remember I rode in the car with him and Wayne Bugu, and we went to, like, Holy or something. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days, man. Were you the one that got posterized? Huh? No. Me? No, not, not you. I, I'm, I'm talking to Quentin here. I, I got you, Malik. Quentin, were you the one that got posterized? I may have been. I, that's Maybe why, that's why you remember it so well. I, I was going to say, yeah, that really stuck with your psyche, bro. So, Malik, this has been fun. Thank you for taking the time to sit in Section 312. We have a couple more questions before we let you go. Drew, you got one more? Uh, yeah, I got a couple more. Uh, you you an ass guy or, or a titties guy? <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely an ass man. All right, th that's the right answer. I, I don't have anything else. That's That was, that was all I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my final question ties back into what I was saying at the beginning. You do sound like Drake. Have you ever thought about, you know, prank calling people pretending to be Drake? Not once in my life. Why? Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I sound that much like Drake, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's close. Okay. I think, uh, I, th I think you might be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me rephrase it like this. Are you a firm believer that nobody has the same voice? Everybody in the world has a different voice, or some people in the world have similar voices? Yeah, people have similar voices, absolutely. I just Maybe I don't see it because I'm just naive, and it's harder for me to receive my own voice. I don't know. So but, we should start a game show. Is it Malik or Drake? What do you mean? It's me all day. <laughs> that, but we should take phrases that you say and that drake says and we'll have you guys like side by side with like a mysterious wall in between so you can't see and then you guys will say each other's phrases and the contestants have to guess as if it's malik or drake hey somebody got his line and he's down for it i'll, I'll jump on that show no question <laughs> we'll, we'll just make sure they bring some honeys out there and that they're like good looking chicks um oh i got a question do you, you believe in aliens aliens yeah um, aliens it's an interesting question. Uh, I feel like it's naive to think that out of all the space in the universe that we're the only intelligent life form. But then again, who knows? I think it's a possibility. I don't I'm not one way or the other firmly, but I, I can never dispute it. I'm never going to say, like, absolutely. No, there's not aliens or there are. 
I haven't seen anything. So as far as my knowledge goes, I have no idea, but I would find it odd if there's not. So if aliens came down to Earth, would you just give them a piece of artwork, or would you still try to sell them a piece of your artwork? Oh, I'm going to sell them for double. I was going to say, I feel like alien currency is going to be worth a lot. But I, the only reason I'm asking this is because it actually just came across my timeline that a bunch of people are going to like storm Area 51, and uh, I was just genuinely curious about the general beliefs of aliens in this uh, on this chat. So thanks for fulfilling my question. I appreciate that. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right, Malik, this has been fun. You know, uh, we hopefully will have you back on the podcast sometime, you know, next year or sometime soon. So thanks, Malik. Absolutely. Hey, man, luck. Thanks for joining right, us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that interview with the artist known as Liko was brought to you by our friends over at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is the new daily fantasy sports app. Just kidding. They've been on the market for a long time. Thrive Fantasy is your go-to daily fantasy sports app for prop bets. These dudes have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do all of those unnecessary hours of research by using only the top-tier athletes. Instead of the traditional salary cap format that you'll see on other DFS sites, you get to build your lineup around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you need to choose 10 of the 20 prop bets plus two ICE picks that will protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. Each unique prop has an over and under point value assigned to it, and you'll be rewarded that point value if you make the correct pick. They got golf going on now, so PGA Tour action. And we'll check that out. Uh, be sure to give our friends over at Thrive Fantasy a look. They're on the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. Uh, check them out in the App Store. And when you do, enter our code SEC312. That's short for section, even though it kind of is weird. When you sign up to get an instant match and your first deposit up to $10, that's right, they're going to give you $10 just for using our code. Give our friends over at Thrive Fantasy a look. They're up and coming in the game. They're going to be the new show out there. Find them in the app store, Thrive Fantasy. So let's get into some segments, boys. Is it the BGOTW time? Yeah, but we're going to add an ING to the BGOTW this week because, you know... We're going to go with balding guy of the week, which honestly I hate to do because you hate to just christen someone that hasn't fully committed yet to the clan. But uh, Joey Chestnut, who is uh, losing a little bit of top, still looking great, though. I mean, you can't you can't fight this man. He's an American hero. July 4th eats almost 75 hot dogs. It is the most insane event, honestly, that you can watch. I loved it. I was sending Snapchats to people, and I was getting some grossed-out responses. Me, I just watch in awe and glory at this man dominate. He, there, There's dynasties, and then there's Joey Chestnut dynasty. He has 12 in a row. He's got more titles than Michael Jordan and Tom Brady combined. Yeah. Not 12 in a row, though, but 12 total. So we're going to give some props to Joey Chestnut and his beautiful fading head of hair. You're doing great, Joey. Keep keep on digging, keep on eating, keep on working that jaw muscle. Now I got a I got a hot take here for you. When and if Joey ever retires from the Joey from the Nathan's hot dog eating competition, will we see somebody ever to be as dominant again, or will we see a new winner every single year? I think we'll see someone be dominant again. But, I mean, I think he's seriously, like, pushing the upper limit of what you can possibly do. Like, aside from just literally, like, pushing them into your stomach, 
I, I think that uh, Joey Chestnut is pushing about as far like he is trained so hard for this unlike anybody ever like I don't think you could push the human body to fit anymore like it's insane I have a question is there a Nathan's hot dog eating hall of fame I just went to the website dude <laughs> I, th- I think there's competitive eating or ma- there's going to be a major league eating hall of fame that's what that's what it's a part of is the major league eating circuit. You realize for the Nathan's hot dog competition, he only wins ten grand. Yeah, the it's not a there's not a lot of cash payouts on those. I don't think it's he probably makes the most of his money through his endorsements. Is Joey Chestnut endorsed by anybody? I think so. When he wears the t-shirts and stuff that has all the sponsors on it and everything, I think it's just like bowling. You know, the bowling people they have their sponsors on their t-shirts. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, don't Joey know Chestnut that. net worth one point five million. There, oh, never mind. According some, to uh, celebritynetworth.com. You know, I trust that more than coed.com, so let's go with that one. <laughs> so that was our B G O T W I N G, the bald guy Baldine guy of the week. The American hero. The icon. The hot dog eating monster. Joey. Champion. Champion. Chestnut. And now it's time to get educated with our IT guy, Matt Gross. Matt, get your mind moment. What do you got for us? For this week, I got for you guys a really long word that is really just too long for anybody. The word is anti establishment. <laughs> Let me. <laughs> it's really long. Let, let me start over. Anti-establishmentarianism. Okay. And uh, it's a noun, and it's the doctrine of opposition to the social and political establishment. So maybe uh, screw this place is basically what that means. Um, I imagine that Chicago White Sox fans show signs of anti-establishmentarianism toward Wrigley Field. If we were, like, pissing on the Ivy, Moises Salou showed anti-establishmentarianism to the Ivy. To his hands. Oh, that's right. Oh, I miss Moises pissing on his hands before games. (laughs) Okay, so, Matt, you just blew my mind with that mind moment. Could you you imagine anti-establishmentarianism being on the back of your jersey? (laughs) It just pissed. Can you imagine anti-establishmentarianism for the cup snake chaos? I mean, I think that's what it is, right? The cup snake is anti-establishmentarianism, especially now that the... Yeah, that's a good example. (laughs) Especially especially now that the the narcs that work at Wrigley are out trying to take them away. And I think, by the way, before we get into this, I think it's a scam... Not a scam. I think we're we're playing checkers as the fans and Wrigley is playing chess. Wrigley knows that when they take them away, people go buy more beer to try to make another one. I think they're just trying to sell more beer. Genius. It only helps the St. Louis business. Oh, cause, yeah, because... Wait. Oh, yeah. They do have Budweiser is in St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, no, I knew that. I didn't know if Wrigley had butt or not. Do they still have old styles? Yes, they do. That beer's fucking gross. What? I don't know if that's a hot take or not. I just, I'm not an old style guy. And that 
Matt's mind moment of the week was brought to you by Karaoke Adventure. Do you want to hang out with the coolest dudes around? The best entertainment in town? Maybe you can do it with a clown? Karaoke, that is. How about Karaoke Adventure? Karaoke Adventure provides DJ and karaoke for any occasion you would need them for. We're talking birthday parties, family gatherings, block parties, night of friends. You want to go anti-establishmentarianism out on the town, but before that you want to get some singing in? Call Karaoke Adventure. They'll bring it all to you, and then they'll take it back. So you don't even have to worry about bringing it, uh, bringing it back uh, the next morning when you're way too hungover to get up because you were doing karaoke with a clown. They bring the PA, the mics, the TV, the lighting to you. Everything you could need for a singing good time. Over 30 years of experience, they've been doing this for a long time, folks. They know the ins and outs of the business. Call them today at 773-732-6597. They service the entire Chicago area. Follow them on Facebook to see some videos and more. I saw some 4th of July videos posted by our friends over at Karaoke Adventure. Looked like a lot of fun. Karaoke Adventure on Facebook. Check them out today. One of our longest sponsors. They're true to us. We're true to them. I think for our 100th episode, we got to do a karaoke song. Oh, I think so, too. I don't know which one. Gloria. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy, that's the... I had to bring it up. You don't have to do it. I thought you said a, I thought you said loyal or royal by Lord, and I was like very upset, but I, I would do Gloria. That's, not, that, that, that's actually a good song. It is time for the chaos. That is the cup snake. We have not completed a word yet before security has taken our snake. Thanks to our IT guy, Matt, because he doesn't drink beer. So he doesn't care about the cup snake as much as we do. Let's just try to not give give Matt an eye this round. Well, we're not going to give Matt an eye because Matt is going to choose the word. I'm trying to keep it Chicago-based. And, uh... Can there be a space in the word? Nope. No. And it's got to be a minimum of seven letters. Even if the word is Cloudgate? What the f- No. Okay. Well, I have a backup plan. Keeping it Chicago-centered, I picked a word with a freaking I in it. It's Comiskey. Okay. You know, because nobody in the world likes the current stadium name for the White Sox. So, we're going to Comiskey. C-O-M-I-S-K-E-Y. Matt, you chose the word. Andrew, call it. Heads or tails? Heads. Flip a coin. It's tails. I will go number one. All right. Uh, I'll I'll save Matt. I'll go number three. And oh, Matt, wait, no. Oh, it doesn't matter. And Matt, I, I guess I'm two. Matt, you are number two. Eighty seconds will go on the clock, and time starts now. Cecil Fielder. Now I'm stuck on O. Um, <laughs> uh, crap. Um, I'm trying to come up with anybody. Matt, dude. Oh, no. Ozzy Smith. There you go. Um, Mitch Moreland. 
throwing it old school to the Rangers first baseman. I think he might still be playing. This is it back to me now? Yeah. Israel Adonage. Um, Scott Rowland. Kobe Bryant. Edgar Renteria. Do we use that? I used that first week. Edgar Martinez. Ah, uh, there you go. Uh, Yadier Molina. And that's time, boys. That's time. <laughs> we made the snake. We did it. Got one. Matt made the fucking snake. Matt, you better watch out, man. You're going to run out of St. Louis athletes to use. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. Scott Rowland was Cincinnati. That was the last oh, yeah. team he played on, but he has a Cardinals ah, for sure. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, he was on the Cardinals for a while. He was on those cool teams. Guys, I'm ecstatic that we just finished the snake. We got to end the show on the Cup Snake Chaos because we finally did it. The, the segment was finally a hit. It finally worked. So. You guys can go check out our website, section312.com, where you can buy some merchandise. It's flying off of our virtual shelves. You can go browsing through our store. Sometimes we have sales, sometimes we don't. I don't think there's a sale right now, but go get your Section 312 gear. We are also an affiliate of the Midwest Sports Network. Go check them out at mwsn.net. Go follow us on Twitter at osection312, on Instagram, official section312, and Facebook, section312 official. I mean, we mentioned it earlier. Next week, we have Rick Campfield. He is the executive producer for the Bernstein and McKnight Show on 670 The Score. We talked a lot of sports. We talked about the I'm Fat podcast. It'll be a great time. So you you got a little contentious with uh, with Rick. I, I was liking it. I, I did get a little contentious with with uh, with Rick, and it was a good time. He was a good guy. Yeah. It was a good time. It's because he's a fatty and I'm a normie. That's why. Oh, uh, okay. I have, a, I have an announcement for you guys. Um, starting on July 13th through July 17th, you will get free shipping if you use the code SHIP, the, the, the number 4, U. S-H-I-P, the number 4, Y-O-U. Free shipping, 13th through the 17th. Yeah, you heard it there. Go get your gear. Scoop it with some free shipping on us. And uh, until then... I guess Quentin and I are signing off. I think we hit a couple of dingers. I think we made it out of the first round of the home run derby with this one. I think we did as well, but I don't better think Josh I, I don't think we won. I, I, no, Vladdy Jr. would have beaten us, but better than Josh Bell, which is all that matters. It's okay. Our our balls are definitely juiced. <laughs> I I have nothing to say. That just just let's get out of here. See you guys. Peace. Peace.